going to share some stuff about that with you tonight. Um, I guess as a bit of background, since Nick and I came to know the Lord seven years ago, we've been on a bit of a boot camp in lots of ways. <laughs> Our life looks really different to what it did. Um, but one element of that boot camp has been around leadership. Um, when I came to know him, I didn't see myself as a leader at all. In fact, one of my aims in life would be to not have to lead anything ever. Um, and I was also not very good at following, ironically, so it's quite funny how, um, how life was before. Um, but since then, he's asked me to lead in quite a lot of contexts, and through that, he's built me up, and he's taught me about who he is and how he leads, which is really different to how I'd understood leadership before. Um, and actually, as part of that, um, he's taught me about following, and one of the things he's taught me is that you can't be a good leader if you're not a good follower, and that's not just about me following him, that's about right relationship with earthly authority too. Um, so I'm not going to talk about that a lot tonight, but that is something that goes over the top of this, is that no leader is a leader unto themselves. You need to sit rightly under other authority. So, strong teams. This is our first little sentence here. And this is really, this is really the one point for tonight that I'm just going to talk to you about in lots of different ways. So, a strong team has two key characteristics. A shared or common purpose and diverse parts. So shared or common purpose, what I'm meaning there is a purpose which is greater than any of the individuals in the team. So it's not about each individual having a purpose, it's about those individuals having a purpose that's greater than them. And then diverse parts looks a bit different depending on the context, but what that means is no two people in the team are the same. So even if you're a team and you all have the same job, you'll be different in some ways, you'll have different strengths, you'll function differently in those parts. Um, and I'll talk a little bit later about how I think often when teams go wrong, it's because we've got those two things around the wrong way. So... Um, the Bible is really clear that this pattern is the key way that he sees his church, the body. So one purpose, many functions within that. Um, Sam and Sandra both spoke about this stunningly on Sunday, so I'm not going to labour the point, but I am just going to refer you to a couple of key scriptures on this. But, I mean, the word screams it, basically, that there is one purpose for his church. He sets it, we don't. And that, as his people, he wants us to be fitted together in the way he intends, and he's made us all different on purpose. So he, he emphasises this to me all the time at the moment. Like, I could have chosen to make you all less different than I did, but I didn't. <laughs> he values difference. Um, so I'm not going to read through all of those big chunks of scripture because they're quite long, but I'll just read the bits of each. So 1 Corinthians 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one, so also is Christ. 
For by one spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. And then at the end, now we are Christ's body and individually members of it. And then Ephesians 4, currently my all-time favorite scripture. I'm just going to read from verse 11 there, um, where it says, And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the works of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So this is the scripture that Sandra talked out of on Sunday night. If you haven't heard it, go and have a listen. But in summary, the purpose, what these scriptures and what we've been hearing here consistently, the purpose is for us to grow into mature sons and to be knitted together into the full stature of Christ so that we can um, spend eternity joined to him. So I think of that as, you know, be a bit weird given... (laughs) who Christ is as the head, for him to have this tiny little pathetic body, right? So this life is about us being joined together in the right way and growing to maturity. Um, The many parts speaks to clearly here too. So um, this passage, Ephesians 4, speaks of the fivefold and the function they have in um, defining for us what the purposes of God are. And then this beautiful bit at the end where it talks about the body building itself up in love as it's fitted together. Um, Yeah, so I think it's, we've been hearing a lot about it, but it's just worth emphasising that one purpose, many parts. That's how God sees us. Um, But what I want to talk about a bit tonight is that this principle is also important for building successful teams in other contexts, so whether that's in sports teams and families and workplaces. Um, When it's not in the hands of his people, it's just a principle, but it's still a principle of his, so it has power. But as his people, this principle has power when we use it in our other contexts too. So if you turn the page, there's a little picture Oh, sorry, did I miss something? Successful teams. Thank you. I said lots of things, though, so you can be forgiven. <laughs> so this little picture with the four C's at the top is just a little way of trying to, um, almost like a little diagnostic for helping think about whether you've got this one purpose, many parts operating. So if you think of... Um, Common purpose here is the root of this tree that we're looking at. So again, as I say, common purpose is a purpose that's shared and as Sam talked about on Sunday, is bigger than what the individual purpose is. It's a purpose that is shared by the group. So if you follow that tree up and say common purpose to the left, you've got a yes. The next question becomes, 
um, do, does this team have common function or is there difference? So does everybody look the same or do people look different in this team? In terms of their functions, in terms of their gifts and talents, in terms of their strengths. That box that says no with the blue, the word that's meant to be in that box is cohesion. And this is what we're aiming for. And when I was designing these four C's, I thought this was pretty cool because the word cohesion dropped into my head. And when I looked it up in the dictionary, the definition's below. So cohesion is the action or fact of forming a united whole, the sticking together of particles of the same substance, unity, togetherness, solidarity, bond or interrelatedness. So when you think about what we've been hearing here about the, the same substance that has been formed in us as the substance of Christ. Um, so the word I would usually use to describe this is unity, but conformity means the same thing and makes my four C's work better. <laughs> Quite proud of my four C's. Um, let's just have a look at these others, because this is what I was saying before about when we get these two concepts of single purpose different functions mixed up, then teams start to not look so healthy. So again, if you follow up, a team that has a common purpose, so it does agree on what it's going to do and it's bigger than the individuals, but everybody looks the same. So they've got the same strengths, they like doing the same things, they don't like doing the same things. What you'll get is conformity. And a team with conformity, where everyone agrees what they're doing, but they look the same, what you'll tend to find is it's really strong at some things but it's really weak at other things. So think about a sports team. Everyone's agreed on their common purpose. They want to win. They want to be a really good team. But they're all awesome in attack and terrible in defence. So they'll do really well when they're playing against a team that's not as strong as them in defence. But if they meet someone who's stronger in attack, they'll crumble every time. So that's what you tend to see. And you see that in all sorts of teams. You see that potentially in churches where really strong in some contexts come against diversity, not so strong. Let's look at this other side of the tree. So this is when there isn't a shared or common purpose. So this is the kind of world that Sam was referring to a little bit on Sunday when he was talking about a team where everyone was measured on their own performance, had their own indicators, and that was really what the team was constituted of. Now, if in that team everybody's the same, so they like doing the same things, they've been measured on the same things, what you'll tend to find is you'll get competition because everybody is after the same thing and there's probably not enough of that to go around. So you'll probably find a team where the members are competing with each other rather than a team where they are collaborating with each other. The other thing you can find is a team where, again, everyone's out for themselves, so there's no common purpose and everybody's really different from each other as well. And what you tend to find there is just confusion so nobody knows why they're together as a team nobody understands each other because they're all really different from each other so that team probably really won't look like a team at all so that's just a little framework for for again helping make real why it's important that we have sameness where we need it and difference where we need it um the next point on your paper leaders play a key role in cultivating a strong team by, assuring, by ensuring clarity of purpose and an environment where members move towards it together.
So I'm going to draw you a little picture now because I didn't know how to draw this one on PowerPoint. So draw it on board. So this is what we're not aiming for. This is um, what I call in my... Oh, I guess to give a little bit of context, this, is, this isn't a thing to do. This is a way of being, I, I guess. I'm describing to you when I'm thinking about building a team what my mindset is and, and what lens I'm making my decisions through. And it's not this one. This is what I would call leader-centred leadership. So this is the leader. These are the team members. And what happens in this model is everything is intermediated through the leader. So the leader holds the purpose. They're probably pretty clear what it is, but these guys probably aren't. If there's a problem, straight to here. Relationships probably aren't that strong between the team members because they see their, their key relationship as being with the leader. So um, an example of this would be, um, say you're a discipleship group leader, if every time someone, any time someone in the group has a problem, they come to you, and then you go to these guys. If every time something tricky happens in the group, you feel every eye on you instantly, that's potentially a symptom that you are actually in the centre of the group rather than the purpose being in the centre. And sometimes that's where things need to start, because at the beginning, these people might not know each other, but what it means is that if you're not there, then things crumble pretty quickly. So I will draw the other model. So in this model, the purpose is at the centre. So the thing that the team is trying to achieve is at the centre. These are the team members around that. And the leader, the energy of the leader, rather than being all over the place like this, is drawing the people together and towards the purpose. So it's a much more, it's more like an embracing or an enveloping and a drawing together. So the leader is, is this outside force. It's not that they're bigger, but they're around and drawing together and towards. And people are looking at the purpose and not at the leader. Um, and as I say, this is when I'm building my teams, this is what I'm thinking and operating out of, is how do I get everybody clear what the purpose is, make our decisions based on what's best for us to get to this purpose, and have the relationships between the people all moving together towards that. Um, I guess as an example of this, I've just started leading a new team in the last few months, and in my first week, I had 90 minutes with this team. And what, you know, what traditionally you would do is you'd kind of set out your expectations for how you wanted things to work and you'd get people to go around and say what their priorities were and that would be cool. But I got this awesome opportunity in my first or second day where each of my teams have things to deliver of their own, right? So it's not like everybody works on the same things they all do have some individual performance indicators of the type Sam was talking about. And one of my team members came to me and said, hey, I've, we're really stuck on this key product of ours and I need you to help me figure out what to do. 
And I went, hmm, that does sound quite tricky, actually. <laughs> and I could have figured out with her what to do if I'd really needed to. But I thought, actually, this is an opportunity to signal that we're a team. And we work together and lend our strengths together towards each other's tasks here. So I said, hey, how about we use half of our catch-up next week, this week with the team, to put this piece of work on the table and see if we can find a solution together. And it was actually a really powerful time because to the person whose problem this was, she got support and wisdom for others. The others in the team were actually really willing to lend their strengths and their resources to this piece of work, but they'd never been asked before and it had never been something that had been asked of them on this particular piece of work. And so what we ended up with was I didn't have to solve the problem. She didn't have to solve the problem on her own. One of my other managers gave her some resource to do that. And we ended up with a much better product. And it's just a little example of how part of the role of the leader is to define the culture and to set expectations around people having, helping each other and having some shared objectives. The other thing about that, though, is that it's also the role, if you're the leader, to cover that process. So that did mean that one of my teams could do less because they were helping this other thing. So I had to be able to go, that's okay, because I will cover that. So, yeah, just a bit of an example of how that works for me in my world. Right. Where are we up to? So a little bit more on common purpose. So common purpose, just to be clear on, the, on what I'm meaning when I say that, I'm talking about the accepted or agreed goal that the team is working towards, how it will measure its success. So depending on the context, and this goes a bit to leaders also being followers, there may be more or less scope for the team to shape their common purpose. In any case, it is essential that team members understand the purpose and how they contribute towards it. So that's why we're hearing so much here about what the purpose of the church is. Because if we don't understand the purpose, then how do we move together towards it? So here, like, do we get to set our purpose here? No, because it's not our church, it's Christ's church. So here, the role of leadership is to bring that purpose to light, to make sure that we understand and see it, and, to un- and help us move towards it. And that's actually usually the case. Same in my organisation. We have a purpose, and my role is to think about how my group can best serve the organisation in its purpose and to help my people understand what it is we're moving towards. Um, so I think yeah, it's, it's really important that we understand that there is always a higher authority. We don't get to set our own track most of the time. So leaders foster cohesion by creating an environment which recognises and rewards 
behaviour that is directed towards the shared purpose. Sure, so leaders foster cohesion by creating an environment which recognises and rewards behaviour that is directed towards the shared purpose. Rather than towards individual goals or individual greatness. So again, just as a couple of examples, in a in a discipleship environment, if you're a discipleship leader and you were seeing a set of behaviours where someone turned up every week and wanted to talk about their stuff all the time and wanted help with their stuff all the time and didn't really seem to be that interested in what the bigger picture for the church is or in what was going on for other people, then as a leader, you'd probably be wanting to think about addressing that, not in the middle of the group, because actually that kind of behaviour can detract from the group growing together if you've got somebody who's trying to dominate it all the time with what they want to talk about rather than what it is that we're talking about here. Um, Same with teams and workplaces. So um, it's not always that you have to have key performance indicators that say you need to help each other, although my teams do, in the sense that part of what they will be judged on is how they are contributing to the leadership of the wider group, not just how their own team's performing. But it's also in terms of how you, um, as I say here, recognise and reward that. So when somebody does that, just saying thank you, just saying, hey, it's really great that you helped out when you could have been doing something different actually can go a long way. Um, So recognition and reward um, can be big or it can be small. Right, let's move on to the mini parts piece. So it's interesting, isn't it, always that... um, over time, God's ways get uncovered and they become um, wisdom in the world as well. Um, and there's one of the big strands in leadership theory at the moment is what we call collaborative leadership and this idea about leading with difference and how difference is stronger than sameness. So there's lots and lots of evidence now that um, diverse teams do better than non-diverse teams. So that's when the people are different from each other, when they have different skills and strengths. If that difference is well handled. If it's not well handled, it can actually degenerate into chaos because you actually never agree on anything. You use your difference to to beat each other rather than to build each other up. Um, So just a few um, tips for getting the best out of difference in teams. First one goes back to common purpose. So being really clear about what it is you're trying to achieve as a team is really important because that's the thing that helps you to, when you've got a disagreement, go actually, are both of the, the first question is, are both of these paths or perspectives consistent with where we're going as a team? And if the answer is no, one of them's not, one of them's actually where someone else wants to go, then that takes that off the table. Sometimes they will both be consistent with common purpose, but just keep. One thing I'm learning is that you just can't repeat this stuff enough. You just cannot reinforce it enough. As a leader, this is number two, be comfortable in your own skin.
Be aware of and open about your own strengths and weaknesses. And confident enough to draw on the strengths of others. Oh, there is a lot of evidence that diverse teams outperform non-diverse teams if the difference is handled well. So this um, be comfortable being you thing is just key because it's actually the thing that releases you to get the best out of others. If you see your team as either the people who have to make you look good or the people who are a threat to you, then you'll start to use them as instruments or you'll start to um, try and keep them down because you see them as a threat to your own leadership. Uh, So it's really, really key as a leader that you're okay being you and you're okay with other people being them. So again, example for me. So I... um, My strengths are in the kind of possibility space. So I love thinking about how things can be better. I love connecting ideas up to other ideas. I love connecting people up to other people. I'm really pretty comfortable exploring how things could be different. And that's great, right? Because if things, if we're not going to think about how things could be different, they're not going to be different. But (laughs) I'm much more interested in starting big, new, exciting projects that I am at finishing them. <laughs> I'm not actually that practical, so I, don't, I have a great idea, but I won't necessarily know how to execute it. Um, and I'm, because I'm really focused on the future, I'm not always that interested in the past. But actually, I need people around me who can say, hey, that's awesome, that's really exciting, those 20 ideas, but, you know, which one are we going to do first? <laughs> you know? How are we going to do it? Did you know we've tried that before? And we learnt some stuff when we tried it before. And sometimes to me that can feel like, oh, God, so, you know, we're never going to get anywhere. But actually, I need it. Because without that, things wouldn't get finished even if they got started. And we would make mistakes we've made before. Because we have tried things before. So... That's just an example in kind of my life of how I've learnt that actually I'm much safer with people around me who are different from me. There's a quote here from a woman called Sarah Blakely, who is a very young multi-billionaire. And she became a billionaire selling leggings, of all things. <laughs> I know, a lot of money in leggings. Um, but the thing she says here is, the smartest thing I ever did was hire my weakness. Um, And this quote was actually made famous by Richard Branson of Virgin um, because he heard her say this and he repeated it as part of his key to success. So what she did, she she was an ideas person too and she was great at selling her product. But she actually wasn't very good at the nuts and bolts of running her business. So she hired a business manager who was awesome at that and trusted her completely to run her business while she went and generated the business. Um. And that's awesome because they, we know that often in business, why they fail is because the founder won't let go of anything and they want to do everything themselves. So yeah, be okay being you. Number three, 
Recognise and call out the strengths of team members. Actively encourage people to lend their strengths and resources to the work of others and reward this. And cultivate a culture where asking for help is seen as a strength rather than weakness. Um, so again, just always be, um, as a leader, on the lookout for, for what are the strengths of other people and see it as your job, not just you, but as you, one of your key functions as being able to show other people the strengths in their colleagues or their team members or their discipleship group leaders and model what it is to go, hey, so-and-so knows a bit about this. Why don't you go and ask them? Then reward that person for helping. It's powerful. Number four, let others lead with our best place to do so. There's a, um, there's a saying that goes something like, um, if you want to know how good a leader is, look at the leaders that emerge around them. So that's about the function of leadership, of recognising and raising up other leaders. Um, again, just some examples, I guess. Like, I'm really good at this kind of leadership, building teams that are strong and will last. You would not want me to lead in a crisis. If there was a fire here, (laughs) I would not be the best person to marshal us out the door because I'm not very practical and I'm not all that decisive, right? So know as a leader when someone else is best to lead and let them do it. Um, Even so tomorrow I've got a day away with my leadership team and we'll be talking about some of this stuff. We'll be talking about as a group... um, what do we, how do we want to talk about our common purpose and what are the kind of values that we want to have and model as a group? And I'm not leading any of that. So all of the sessions that day, someone else is leading. And they were talking to me yesterday about what they're going to do, and it's awesome. Like, they've put way more energy and effort into it than I would have been able to because I've been doing other things. And they're, they're well-placed to do it. So it's a sign of confidence to let others lead. Number five, my least favourite of these, (laughs) get comfortable being uncomfortable. Difference generates tension at times. The trick is to use this tension to drive towards the shared purpose. Again, common purpose is the guiding light. So this is, I, dispositionally, I don't like conflict. I find it really uncomfortable, but I've had to learn that it's a really important force. You don't want to let it get out of control, but if you're not prepared to sit in conflict, when people have put different things on the table, then you will miss gold whether it's in a team, whether it's here. The strength of difference is that it sees the same thing from different angles and it gives you a more rounded perspective. Um, so again, I, I find this often that I'll be in a context and something will be playing out and everything in me will want to kind of bring it up to a higher level where we can all agree. You know, some sort of truism that you couldn't disagree with. 
but it's often not the right thing, right? The right thing is often to just stay in that tension and just support people to talk through it Um, because that's where the real gold from difference comes. I mean, again, I guess an example, Nick and I, when we first came to the Lord, like we met him, he presented himself to us really differently in the beginning because of where we were. So I met the Lord, um, I was really broken and I knew it, so I met him in his tenderness and his mercy and in his restoration. Um, Nick met him more in his majesty and his lordship. So that's, we know now it's the same God, but the things we knew of him were really different and we would have lots of conversations where I would literally be like, well, but the God I know wouldn't do that. (laughs) And he's like, wow, the God I know saying that. Um, And it's because we, he's enormous and he's complex and we could see him from different sides, right? Um, But if we couldn't see that we were seeing the same thing, we would have both, been much slower to come into more of who he was. So that's an example of just a team of two having to work through some pretty um, different perspectives on something. And the last one here, accept being challenged. And recognise the courage required to challenge. so long as the motive is genuinely in pursuit of the shared purpose. So I'm not talking here about undermining behaviour. I'm talking about when someone genuinely has something to bring. Even if you don't agree, just be prepared to hear it. Um, Someone said to me once about parenting, but I think it's true generally, like you'll often only get one chance. Someone will have the guts to say to you, to challenge you once. And um, if, their resp- if their experience of that is negative, then often they won't do it again. So it's not that you have to agree with them, but it is that you have to be humble enough to accept the challenge and work through it with them. Um, because as leaders, we know that we don't have everything right. So um, part of other people being comfortable bringing their difference is them being able to bring it to you. So that's what I had for tonight. Going to do questions? Cool. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Joe. Um, so, leadership practices. I just love that we're getting so much practical resource to discuss. And that's what we're going to spend um, time doing now is discussing. And the first question is what stood out most to you? And um, a diverse team is stronger. And I look around the room and we are, we are so diverse, hey? Like we're not all electricians, builders, teachers, work for an ice cream company. <laughs> we're not all scientists, teachers, what else we got? IT ninjas. We're not all retired and we're not all working. We're not all, you know, some of us are stay-at-home mums, claim it, hard out. Some of us work on the plumber's board, others of us work in the hospital. And then I think about how diverse we are as a body of believers and our, our story of how we've come to know the Lord. And, and you mentioned it about how, how we all have different views of the same God and how he's shaped us and then how that can benefit one another, the people around the table. And I just think I was thinking about how important it is to sit at different tables or get amongst different groups on a Sunday 
because then we receive more of Christ. And I love the, I remember God sort of spoke to me about the facets of a diamond or facets and, and how there's so many facets when we all allow others to speak into our walk and then we equally want to share our views or our reality of him into others. And so, man, we're such a strong team here. And I know that he just wants to continue to strengthen us and grow us and build us um, and use all of our contexts to increase himself and for his glory and to grow us as his body. So thank you so much, Joe. Massive. Um, Discuss these questions. Um, What you don't see is question four, five, six, and seven, because they're probably going to come up in the moment. Cool? So... It's not just three questions, it's whatever comes, allow the Lord to lead. Awesome.